Not I got bad. there like half an hour before Brick did. So. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, you had your, yeah. <laughs> the time that uh, the agreed upon time. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's Alex. episode 165 of view from 202 he hath cometh he is risen he's here you may recognize him he's your favorite head coach gerard struber uh everyone knows him everyone knows that name a famous world famous uh you know uh hero of all of global football uh gerard struber has now been announced as uh, the new manager of the New York Red Bulls, and uh, the four of us, as usual, Britt, Peaches, Sam, and Cork, are here to uh, just bask in this new Struber reality. Um, how are you guys? How are you guys doing in uh, this week one of the year of our Lord Struber? Um, I mean, thankful. I think. In some ways. Yeah, he has risen. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, pretty pumped. I'm very grateful that it actually happened in a tidy manner, as it was expected. Yeah, I mean the the timing. I feel like last episode we were talking about this. We were kind of joking and speculating about like the life cycle of transfer rumors. Uh, even though this is for a manager, it it does kind of feel like this just wound up and sealed up on a nice little schedule here. We made our offer for the buyout clause for like what? Two, two million pounds ish. Two million uh, euros. I think two, was the most common quote, which yeah, exactly okay. that up, but two million euros to Barnsley. Barnsley finished their match on the weekend in the championship. Uh, then Monday, I guess we finished all the paperwork and it was announced, uh, in the morning, on Tuesday, both by both Barnsley and New York Rebels, and then a press conference later that afternoon. Uh, we haven't heard from Struber himself yet. Press conference was just Thelwell um, talking to the usual press pit. Um, but yeah, it it really looks like we went out and we headhunted this guy and we got him. I mean, all of the all of the writing I've seen about him, either from MLS outlets uh, or uh, the Yorkshire Post. Or is it the South Yorkshire Post? I don't know. Has been it's um, just Yorkshire Post. They got they got the whole area on lock, man. All of Yorkshire, even the East Riding of Yorkshire. They've they've I think the, yeah they they've they even do Teesside against Teesside's wishes. But yeah, <laughs> do they really? Wow. Now probably. I hope so. I hope <laughs> I hope I hope that they're that you know important of a publication that we're yeah. going off of today. The uh, but they 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 put it fairly. Um, explicitly that um and actually you know barnsley's own press release but fairly explicitly that you know red bull came out and met a transfer fee they didn't want struber to leave uh but um he just really wanted to get uh go back to the red bull family there is this prodigal son uh aspect to it i think tom bogert used that uh metaphor to compare it a and uh, I think I think Barnsley themselves even said that he had interest from other European teams, um, but ended up going with this offer uh, from Red Bull. 
uh, feels weird. I mean, Cork, you were you were sitting in on this press conference, right? Is there is there anything I've missed? Anything uh, noteworthy from that? Have I gotten the facts right here? I mean, well, he did emphasize, like you kind of let off with, or we let off with, that uh, you know it did happen kind of quickly, um, mm-hmm. quicker than you would expect for you know something like this to go. Both because of um, both because of the 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 context of the move for for New York. And that where, you know, uh, this is this is a big pivotal moment for the team. This is going to be – this is kind of the first big headhunt managerial hire that we're making for about five years since we brought in Jesse Marsh. And then also there's that and then also the history that Thelwell has of being very thorough in his managerial searches, several of which he conducted for, for Wolverhampton. And, uh, you know, just that it happened in just a matter of, uh, you know, a few weeks. It was, you know, just just over a month from when Armis was dismissed in early December or early um, September that um, the you know new coach was finalized. And uh, um, so he, he kind of led off with that and being you know pleasantly surprised with that. And um, but, you know, uh, you know, we've we've kind of talked about it off you know, off record that, uh, you know, he just generally came off, you know, very confident and, um, you know, that, that, uh, the, the thoroughness of the search that they did do and despite how quickly that it went. And he mentioned that they went through several stages that there were, he said three rounds of interviews with, with however many candidates there were. Um, but that, um, you know, seeing all those candidates and doing that thorough of a search, only made them even more confident in what they were seeing in Struber mm-hmm. um, and, and bringing him, you know, back into the Red Bull fold. And, you know, he hinted that, you know, and this is kind of what I was curious about what was whether, you know, this was something that was kind of spoon fed to him by the higher Red Bull umbrella, or if it was a move that he would have made himself and, you know, organically, uh, you know, gravitated towards himself um, and he said, yeah, I mean, the, you know, he said, sure, like Red Bull, um, you know, had good things to say. And, you know, that that was a huge, uh, you know, gold star for him on his on his dossier when when he was you know going through candidates. But that, you know, this is the kind of move that he would have maybe made anyway. And this is the kind of move that he might have made, you know, if he was still in England. So, um, you know, that that kind of was the gist that I got if, if there was anything to get out of mm-hmm. that press conference with, with Thelwell and just kind of the mechanics of how, how he arrived here. Yeah. You know, one aspect that stuck out to me, I, I didn't watch it live. They didn't stream it live on the Facebook or the website or whatever. I just caught the video after the fact. And one thing stuck out, which is, well, actually one Thelwell does have that skill of just sort of being disarmingly, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better word, boring. Like he, Jesse kind of had that skill in his own different style too, where he just can kind of talk at length and and kind of just hit certain points and kind of just diffuse the whole thing, which felt apparent in this interview. You had to, I think, listen fairly closely. But one thing that stuck out to me even still was that he kind of returned to this topic of, um, you know, just – best practices of, of keeping files on managers anyway. Uh, he, he started the press conference talking about that. I think he even mentioned when he, when he introed it saying like, Oh, you know, I think I've talked to you guys about this before. 
Um, but you know, just like it's best practice for a big club to like, just constantly, even if things are going well and they're winning to just always have a file and keep monitoring who's available just in case. Um, which I think on, on a literal level, that's true. I think that's what he just does. It was probably doing at wolves too, but it's interesting that he feels the need to repeat that to our press corps, I think. And, um, reading into it when it gets brought up later in the press conference. And I think Michael Lewis asked about Dennis Hamlet, which is very funny to me because Thelwell has done the press conferences for both the firing and the hiring of the manager now. And someone's still asking about Hamlet, which seems obviously irrelevant, but um, Thelwell answered that with a similar topic and kind of mentioned, you know, that like, Oh, well we needed, we just should be, collecting a list of next candidates anyway at all times and reading between the lines to me, it suggests maybe that like his first couple months here were building that out or noticing that that wasn't happening and that really maybe there wasn't like a short list or dossier of, of candidates or whatever, and maybe trying to tell Hamlet that he needs to do that and then building that out. And then that's how he arrived at uh, Struber um, which I think would kind of stitch together the uh, timeline for mm-hmm. us, but also kind of fits with the general diagnosis of the club that we've had the last couple of years, uh, or basically since Armas took over, and kind of helps answer the question of maybe like less of like who has the power or who has the interest in firing Armas, but just like maybe nobody nobody was home really to like even be doing that kind of basic scanning of the the. Uh, the coaching terrain out there and even find candidates. So that was one thing that came up to me. I thought fellow was trying to be very diplomatic about it, but the way that it kept recurring in the press conference, I I couldn't help uh, but notice. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I mean, and that that kind of uh, speaks to, um, you know, kind of a theme that we've, that we've had uh, for a little bit that there was just nobody, nobody in charge here, so to speak. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's, you know, obviously the, the big, the big thing this week is Struber, but it continues to be, you know, very, very impressive work from, from Thelwell on, on all fronts, both in, in getting the, the search done in a timely, clean manner. And yeah, there, there seemed to be a little friction with Barnsley, you know, as it, as it got put together, but you know, mostly drama free, and, uh, you know, both, both that and, you know, yeah, doing, doing the, the public facing part of the job and, and, and communicating what, um, you know, what the process was and how it came to it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's good to see. And, 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 you know, it, it's never, it's never felt despite the fact that, that we're coming off of, of Ralph Ragnick leaving, this summer, um, it, it's never felt like the the club here is more um, kind of being uh, watched over. I, I don't know if that's that's a good term, but like uh, you know, being being supervised, guided, guided. Super, supervised, guided. I mean, whatever you want to call it, by by the the larger organization and 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 being treated as as something valuable and that they want you know that they went out and got a very talented individual to oversee you know the team from here and like you said Britt he's he's putting some practices in place that maybe you know weren't weren't even on the radar previously so 
Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, do you feel like the just the general way that Thelwell's handling press, in a way, seems a little bit, um, I guess for lack of a better term, big club? Yeah, or just very pro. Like, I, I, I think it it's possible that it's just like kind of his baseline professional expectations for himself. Um, but it also seems likely that maybe someone warned him or someone told him about Ollie Curtis's like introduction, the van base and how Ollie Curtis was very aloof. I mean, like I say this, you know, saying, knowing that Curtis in a way was vindicated, right? Like the second town hall, everyone like clapped for them when they got on stage, but even the people who, even us who think he was vindicated and, depending on your opinion of him and Jesse and yada, yada, yada. Like, without a doubt, Curtis was still, like, very aloof and kind of came off as a dick. Uh, and it seems like it's been a deliberate effort to avoid that. Um, but I, I think that with the Red Bull integration thing, I kind of had a tweet thread on the podcast account teasing this out. And um, I realized, actually, that uh, I may have, like, understated it or not, not even really put it well in the tweet thread because I was looking really at, like, the potential assistant situation so, because like at, at Red Bulls right now, Carnell is still here, still acting coach, um, and you know, still the only departures were Armist and CJ Brown. Um, and looking at the Barnsley staff, uh, there's two guys. It looks like that Struber brought in only last month, month and a week. And they brought them in in August for this season. Um, and they're both German, German, Austrian guys. Both of them have Red Bull on their resume. One guy's Tonda Eckert. The other guy's, um, Wolfgang Luiser or something. Uh, so presumably based on these resumes, Struber like hired them and brought them over and is about to leave. I it's, no it's, I, it's, I just, it's funny. I, I can't, I can't remember. I think this is in Austria when he was with Wolfsberger, but um, it might've been with Barnsley that, that some, some journalist or analyst accused him of, uh, of being a coward for having too many assistants. <laughs> See, I, 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 mind it, but yeah. I mean, Barnsley has announced that like, they have like a cup, they have like three or four first team coaches, whatever listed. And the one English guy on it took over. So I, I, I'm to be clear, I have no news. I'm just speculating that it would make sense that maybe these guys who are brought in by Trooper might be somehow involved, especially considering they have Red Bull on their resume um, as like one of them youth teams. The other one like played, I think for Red Bull or something. Um, And if we brought both of them over, the total staff would only increase by one. Um, we wouldn't even necessarily have to fire anyone else to replace them. Uh, the goalkeeper coach at Barnsley appears to be just some English guy that was already in place. So there's no obvious need or reason to think that Burpo might be gone. Um, but then it made me realize that like even counting Carnell and kind of how we've been viewing Carnell as the, the potential Red Bull mole or Red Bull guy on the staff over the last year and a half um, among all the Chicago fire guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with him there as interim coach right now, like there's never really been more Red Bull guys running the sporting department. And I said, yeah. I phrased it as like, once again, uh, you know, like the sporting staff will be majority Red Bull guys instead of MLS guys. But I realized that's wrong. Cause like really, really it's never been this tight end. Cause like even no. looking back at Marsh, Marsh is an MLS guy who became a Red Bull acolyte. Same with Curtis. And then going back to like Andy Roxburgh hiring Hans Baca and then hiring Petke and stuff like that, like 
you start getting to the point where Red Bull soccer, as we're understanding it now, didn't even exist yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, it, it, yeah, it's 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 potentially a huge um, scaling up of the investment here um, in a way that we haven't. Well, I don't know. Investment can mean a lot of different things, but like involvement here that we haven't seen yet on the sporting side that could be interesting. And it's interesting considering that like the player personnel aspect has actually not been that different. Like we're still getting loans like Samuel Tete, who like only started his first game last week um, that it's unclear what that'll look like player personnel wise. But in terms of coaches, this, this is by far the most uh, direct tie we've had ever really. And that's, and that's a big part of the Red Bull philosophy too, is that, and I kind of let off my, my column on Struber yesterday with this is that, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of, one of the big concepts of, of Ralph Ball, so to speak, and then the Red Bull, um, uh, mantra over the last five to 10 years is that expanding, you, you, you get an advantage from expanding your technical staff from your coaching staff. Um, and especially in MLS where there's a salary cap, a salary cap for the players, but not for anybody else, not for, you know, your technical staff, you can, you know, do fairly, fairly as much as you want. Um, that's, that's an area where you gain an advantage. And, you know, like you said, Brett, as far as like investment, you know, that becomes kind of a, a rough term to, to use in terms of, of, of this club in New York, not just because of the, the salary gap situation, you know, that limits any idea of, of investment uh, in, in like pure money terms going up here. Like there's some lever that they're pulling in, in the, the accounts in Austria, but it's more that, that it's, it's less investment as much as involvement and, and, um, you know, integration with uh, the the larger Red Bull unit that we've that we've never had, um, like you said, uh, as much as we seem to be at this point. And then and that involvement is not going to be increasing like money investment, so to speak, or increasing like you know the maybe caliber or pedigree of players that we sign, but it's going to be more like this. It's going to be bringing in top level coaches. It's going to be paying transfer fees for coaches. Um, you know, so, um, and and that that was something that we had seen even before Thelwell came in earlier this year, we saw Patel being installed. We saw Fernie being installed. We saw some new, you know, medical and fitness trainers. So, um, you know, uh, that's, that's going to be, you know, maybe the area we see a bigger shift than in, then, you know, and maybe player recruitment and stuff like that. It's going to be, you know, maybe we do bring in like, you know, more assistance than we're used to on, you know, the bench staff. Um, you know, that's maybe that is what Red Bull and Thelwell and, and whomever thinks the, um, the next stage for us to get an edge on is, is, yeah. um, you know, is, you know, staff hires. Yeah, as you pointed out in your article, this is the this is the organization at, at the end of the day when when Ragnick was not uh, satisfied with the candidates out there, he just took over the team as global director, you know, with Jesse for a year himself, you know, and that they, they were content to hire Nagelsmann a year or two in advance, you know, mm-hmm. rather than trying to settle for something else. Um, so the 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 statement of intent here feels big. And then there's been a couple quotes, you know, some people have tried to, to tease out kind of this, you know, idea of like, Oh, do you really want a manager? If he's clearly just trying to get back to 
Europe or, or whatever at the end of the day. And I think people have had good responses in general to that. Whereas like, you know, um, if, if he's doing a good job here enough to warrant a promotion, if you want to view it that way, that that's a good thing. Um, well literally said that. Yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, and the difference, I think this time, hopefully don't know for sure. Hopefully is that, uh, Thelwell seems to be installing those performance analysts people, those, uh, sports science people around it so that if Struber were to get promoted up to Salzburg or Leipzig, it wouldn't just be totally scam like it was last time. Cause yeah, last time yeah, Jesse took the performance analyst with him, right? You know, we yeah, exactly. Even, yeah, the performance analyst analyst department was basically just one guy who was like, you know, from like the academy staff who do Jesse like took a shine to, but yeah, he took, he took him away, you know, back then. But yeah, like it is kind of like ironic with everything that I just said about how, you know, coaching is going to be emphasized more and getting, you know, paying fees for, for bringing in top level coaches is going to be more of an emphasis. But at that same time, yeah, like you said, Brett, we are seeing kind of a structure being built where the head coach is just kind of another piece. Um, this isn't like a big imperial, like Alex Ferguson manager, um, who, you know, is involved in every single aspect of the club. And, you know, when he leaves, everything is going to have to be shifted. It's going to be, you know, it's, it's creating, creating not only a structure that, you know, allows us to get the most out of a top level coach, but a structure that doesn't allow us to be completely, you know, lost at sea if that top level coach were to leave because he is a top level coach and has other suitors. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. I mean, honestly, yeah. for me, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but it's, you know, not, 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 I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot, both in writing and on here and, and all, all over the place. But, um, you know, it feels like there's a plan for the first time yeah. in a while. And there's, there's, you know, um, there's, you know, contingencies and all the sorts of things, you know, even like you said, as far as like even having possible candidates for new managers in place, you know, just good practices in place that weren't there before. Yeah, there's going to be something to compare results against, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be, um, this is just how it is. We're not going to be content with with that because I think that was at the end of the day the most infuriating thing about the zone was just the the counterpoint of the idea of just like oh this is how how it is. I don't know what you're complaining about. Yeah, we're just scared. nobody cares about us. No, you yeah. you shouldn't expect anything anyway. So why get mad? Like, yeah. So um, I think the the point about salary cap league and like kind of the comparative advantage of an, an MLS is is an interesting point as well because I think it does sort of lend itself to comparing or understanding what MLS teams have done okay in the last decade or five years, even versus which, which ones that haven't. Cause I think the big thing that we've noticed is kind of this decline of NYC us in Atlanta is like these big leading projects in 2018. And then all of that kind of stuttering out or falling apart and the league kind of feeling less um driven in that respect I, I think we've learned the hard way that you know with us we didn't have that structure in place atlanta in hindsight very clearly was much more integrated or, or dependent on martino understanding how we wanted to use almiron and, and martinez and just throwing money at deboer and uh you know 
second Martinez and and Barco didn't didn't automatically mean anything. Right. And then the the flip side is, um, you know, I think teams like Seattle and Toronto are really the story of like having more of those systems in place. Um, it, where where they can kind of just have a higher baseline level of performance and standards that allows them to make it to MLS cup and finish high in the table every year when every other team fails. Um, so I, I, I'm hoping that it's a course correction for us in some respect as well. Um, should we return to uh, maybe looking at like some indications of how Struber would play? I mean, I remember the first week that we talked about Struber as a really substantive rumor, we kind of talked a little bit about um, the question of the press and all that, but I, I feel like now that it's real um, and uh, we've had a couple more weeks and resources to look over at what we might see, I think maybe we could return to it. Um, I think, you know, I'm thinking in particular is a Spielverlagerung, hate that word. Yeah. Spielverlagerung piece. Uh, that was actually it was produced for in anticipation of Barnsley's campaign this year, so it's extremely uh, relevant or timely. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a couple other pieces about like set pieces and what we might expect out of Struber. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess last time we spoke, we were talking about going back to the press. Do we have a better understanding of that? Do we have do we have a better a, a refinement of that? Because um, Struber's first first all access video is going to be like the season ticket town hall and just saying, guys, we're going back to the full press in perfect Long Island English. I was going to say, Britt, is this um is this delay in media appearance by Struber helping you, um, or like how long is the timeline in which you can? project a South Yorkshire accent upon Struber. Oh, I got to practice we- it. Well, that's a, that's a good point. That's another, I, I, it's been, we took a look at his Instagram. There's no, there's no obvious angle here, you know? Um, we got We got to, we got to figure out something. I, I, I think the, yeah, giving him a sort of South Yorkshire accent, which he naturally has already, obviously is a good move, but. Gareth uh, Struber. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to walk into uh to uh RPs and be like don't have you don't have any Bonsley kebab no babies yet <laughs> this is OP it's not wet but um that wasn't even Yorkshire but um we got we got more time to work on I do like I, I I do like the decision to just not have him awkwardly zoom in I I don't I wonder what he I wonder what the approach is going to be with the team because um, well, they've said he's going to be six to eight weeks till he gets here, which is pretty normal time given all of the other, like compared to all the other player um, acquisitions that had to like go through quarantine and visa and all that business. Plus, he it's awkward timing like with with the COVID delayed championship season and then starting again. Like he never really got a summer break either, and he's got to move cross country. So. Um, it's going to be a while to see the team in person. I don't know if he's going to like zoom in or not. Cause I can imagine. If I mean, I wouldn't want to make a zoom first impression. If global is investing in this club and we get nothing short of iPad uh, segue. Yeah. I'm sorry, just... They're going to have Stanley Kubrick film him in like a section of Hamburg that kind of looks <laughs> like Greenwich village or something. <laughs> 
isn't yeah wasn't the idea that the that kubrick filmed the the moon landing in london so maybe oh yeah there you go yeah you just set it up in in barnsley right there um but because i you know it's i can imagine if you're trying to make an impression on your players or something just starting it with oh sorry i was on mute oh wait can you hear me can you see my screen <laughs> might be a little deflating <laughs> but maybe that's just how it is it's a power. I mean, if he has the Dome scooter, the, the Dome scooter, the Dome never used oh, yeah. in real life. But uh, um, that's that's a power move. You know? Yeah. I mean, if, even if you fuck up, you know, everybody's still just like, oh, man, he's he is trying to do the scooter thing. There is that. I, mean, I, I guess like I, you idea. should call that the Winalda, I guess, more than the. Yeah. But yeah, I like your idea that his only communication should just be publishing a vlog where he says, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. At every yeah, mistake. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, yeah, that yeah, I that, I would not have told him to do that. No. <laughs> the uh, yeah, we really manifested into being the whole the whole iPad Segway iPad thing. It took a year and a half for COVID to come and make it real, but now now it's here. That's how everyone's coaching. Um, he did mention that Thelwell and him, or Thelwell mentioned that he and Stuber are having meetings to talk about the team um, already, which, mm. um, well, why? Just just show that like, the, there is a difference between um, this and a player where it's like he doesn't, it's not like a player where they need to be there in person to be contributing. You can't start working. Um, on things for the next six to eight weeks and man, I yeah. would pay money to be a fly on the wall. Just hearing them talk about the squad. Um, especially mm-hmm. after seeing these clips of like this Tottenham documentary and seeing how straightforward and some of these conversations of these are. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, maybe, maybe they actually really are just laying it out on the line and not being, you know, polite or guarded or anything. I, I would love to hear their opinion on different guys in the squad and what to do about it. Um, maybe well, one day we'll get an Amazon. I'd be extremely frustrated if it does turn out into a docuseries and it's just that Thelwell and Struber both gush over Daniel Royer. And yeah. no. <laughs> You'd be devastated. Right? <laughs> well, the one thing that uh, seems to be continuing is I mean I, I'd love to hear their opinions on Kyle Duncan because Kyle Duncan has played at left back again uh, like twice this week right after despite it making no apparent sense to me and I'm dying to know what Struber would think of that situation among others because um, man it, it does not make sense to me at this point but I don't mean to get into minutia of the games quite yet um, but just just maybe more returning to the point, I guess, that it does feel good to have our head of sport and our manager sitting down and talking long-term about plans again. Um, does not feel like that was happening before. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's this, it's the press, right? Are we going to, are there, are there going to be weird set pieces? Are there going to be any eccentricities from Struber? I heard something about maybe a, a speculated, obsession with left-footed players yeah yeah so yeah i think the the i think a good jumping off point is that he whatever formation he's going to use because he has kind of switched um a little bit around especially since um the covid break um his 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 kind of calling card with with wolfsberger and then early with barnsley was a kind of a diamond 442 but 
um, since the COVID break. He apparently has shifted more into kind of a, a three-man back line, which would be like a, you know, a three-five-two, three-four-one-two, whatever you want to call it. You know, three three-man back line. Um, and, and even even apparently in the four four two diamond, uh, you know, without the ball, they play in essentially a three five two. You know, they 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 crowd the midfield, um, and 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 only keep the extremities central. And then you know, you know, to kind of go off that, whatever formation he is going to run, it's going to have two strikers. Um, you know, that that might be kind of the biggest uh, and most obvious tactical shift. Um, from from what we've been used to for for a long time with Red Bulls, certainly um, since Jesse and you know kind of the the EDS Energy Drink Soccer Revolution, um, you know, you know there were a couple times that both uh, Jesse and Chris Armas tried to kind of shift to the four two 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 a little bit, and we've been seeing some of that with Carnell the last few weeks also, but. Um, mainly we ran, you know, the one striker, you know, four, two, three, one kind of formation, um, the vast majority of the time, you know, during, during our time as a pressing team. Um, and that will kind of be in a big change. It seems with Struber. And it seems like we've been kind of preparing for that with bringing in guys like Tete and kind of having a deep striker depth chart this year. I mean, you know, guys, a guy like white, who was kind of like our big, breakout sensation last year hasn't really been able to get minutes consistently this year. You know, we've had Barlow and, and Omir Fernandez and Royer playing up at striker sometimes. And just, it seems like we're trying out a lot of different guys and maybe that is one of the main areas that Struber and Thelwell are looking at right now, as far as building the squad is, you know, which, which strikers he would want or not want to keep. Could you, could you, um, could, you could you justify having all four of those I mean, I think the good example would be uh, the game on what, you know, Wednesday, right. Where we did implement the two striker sort of formation. Um, and we did a like for light. We did, you know, we swapped both uh, of those players up top uh, together. And so is there kind of, is there, do you think there's a justification for keeping all four at this point? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, even, even, even with, yeah, I didn't even mention Tete coming in too. the, you know, as, you know, a guy who maybe is sort of the prototype for, for those sort of roles um, that, yeah, I think, I think we could see more guys stay than we think. And I think that's kind of why, like we, we've talked about it on, on the, the show here about Tom Barlow and how we thought he was kind of put out to pasture, but he's gotten some looks in the last couple of games and like, yeah, maybe, maybe we are going to see, um, more of those guys stay than we think, or maybe have more of an opportunity to show themselves than we might've thought. And, you know, kind of like, and, and kind of to Britt's point that he, that he, they led this off with as far as like, yeah, there's a little bit of a left foot obsession and that comes into play with the striker position and that he wants, you know, both of the strikers to have different feet and kind of rotate a lot. And I don't know off the top of my head um, which foot Tete is dominant on. I'm pretty sure it's right. Um, but I don't think we have any left-footed forwards besides Kaku, who's probably going to be more of a midfielder in this setup um, anyway. Um, but yeah, the, that that is kind of the, the left-footed obsession is that I, I think rather than getting into the minutia of how he uses left-footers, I think it's more... Um, kind of important to 
um, emphasize that uh, Struber is conscious of that. He's 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 aware of how a player's dominant foot plays into how a striker plays and into whether whether that striker is going to move centrally to try and create his own shot. Um, you know, if he's if he's a right footer if he's a right footer on the left side, he's going to be inclined to move centrally and create his own shot inside the box. Or if it's the other way around and he's a left footer on the left side, he's going to move to try and try and cross or cut back from outside the box. And he wants the players to rotate themselves throughout the game and and be aware of that themselves and be tactically aware of themselves of what a defense is giving them. And I think that is the area maybe, you know, he's talked about, he talked about when he left Barnsley, you know, in the last few days, he kind of had a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a strop in a press conference about how there's not enough ambition. Um, and I think a area where that might've been is not enough investment in the striker formation or in the striker core, both in that, you know, he didn't you know, get left footers because he wants to have, um, you know, players with different feet, but also that players weren't tactically aware enough and not aware of when to shift around and when to rotate around up top and when to know um, what signals um, to, to how a defense is trying to play them and what foot to put them on. Um, I think that's an area where maybe being at a place like Barnsley in, you know, in the English lower leagues where the players are maybe, um, you know, kind of taught to wing it a little bit more than they are in other lower level setups is an area where Struber kind of hit a ceiling with Barnsley. Uh Um, So, um, and that's going to, you know, I, I, you know, to repeat myself again, I think that is probably going to be the area um, where we're one of the areas that Thelwell and, and Struber are looking to make sure that they have the right guys in is striker. So you think fewer shots from Kyle Duncan in the, from outside the box randomly? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe that's an area though where they they like to see Duncan do this kind of weird dribbling inside, even though he's he's not a striker. Although the wingbacks or the the you know the wide the wide players in in his you know setups are given kind of freedom to move all over the place. So that's mm-hmm. that's another factor. So yeah, the the that read on the Barnsley ambition thing is interesting because it did it does strike me especially reading through the the Spielver Long or whatever uh, take on like all the press triggers and stuff, how the Barnsley situation being at the dead bottom of the table and wanting to avoid relegation is like almost a Tuesday night at Stoke level uh, cliche or like, like metaphor mm-hmm. that people use of like, oh, you can't do anything fancy or continental. Uh, you just need to win games. And it's very, is sort of a cousin of the plan B idea um so it's interesting to me that that struber was able to show up to barnsley and his method of saving them was kind of instituting a very intense uh uh, system that had different uh press triggers and, and uh kind of required coordinated movement and pressure across the field um rather than relying on a given individual player um which makes right. me cautiously optimistic that we could, if if nothing else, like just break the cycle of kind of plan B, which, you know, I, I've participated in once upon a time on this podcast. It was, it was sort of the main talking point after the 2015 and 16 seasons. Um, but it, it, I'm cautiously optimistic that the kind of his commitment to that and success at making it the like, 
relegation fight strategy could could break that mindset a little bit. Um, and I, I just have to say, I, I went to look up whether Royer was left or right footed. I think he's probably more right footed, but I just noticed on transfer marked that like MLS is back is listed as like a separate competition. Now <laughs> it's, it's technically not like the same thing, I guess, which is so funny. They should have just fucking done that. Yeah. They really should have trying to make this like an actual season, but that's yeah. a whole ball of box. Yeah. They should have just kept doing more freak tournaments, but yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, uh, well, you mentioned Kaku as well. And I think it, it, well, uh, means it appears that the pressing number 10 will be a feature of this. Um, yeah. so Kaku, I think will have a, a home at that. Cause I do think he was brought in by Jesse, uh, to serve that purpose. Although now that I say that aloud, this does, this does, make me wonder still i mean we've gotten some clarity on like you know how much of being rolf ball on red bull in was really jesse but i would still love to know more about like how jesse got six million dollars for kaku uh, and who who he asked at red bull to do that for him um when it doesn't appear anyone else at rebel new york had that role for kaku in mind Still an open question, despite everything else we've learned. Um, but the wide play is also interesting because I, 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 when you said that, I just thought of Mandela Egbo's, uh, I think, more pronounced performances over the last two or three matches. Maybe this is our backdoor in the conversation of some of these games in the context of what we can expre- expect. Because for me, Mandela Egbo has really grown in prominence on the field. And in these last couple of games in particular, he was linking up with Drew Yearwood in a noticeable way to me. And I'm getting the feeling that Manny Egbo is going to be a guy for us. Oh, yeah. He's definitely, um, you know, of all the guys who have come in this year, he's, you know, probably, you know, or, you know, not probably. I, I, would, I just started off with definitely been, uh, you know, kind of shown the most and seems to be the real deal. And that's not to say that I think the other guys are busts or are going to be busts. It's just saying that, yeah, Egbo has, has been that impressive since coming in. I mean, he's um, – I, I was expecting – Knowing that he he came he came from you know English Academy as a defender and then stayed as a defender during his his stint in Germany and then knowing that he can play a little center back that he was more of a kind of an athlete and just sort of a a more stay at home defender but he I I said it the other night watching the game he probably has like the best feet in the squad um, he he can carry the ball he can you know penetrate he can. Uh, do a lot of things. Well, he's got he's got a great cross, obviously that we've we've seen in the last few games. Um, so um, this he could be a player who, yeah, is really kind of primed to have a big role in this. And, it, and it's interesting, you know, he we we do the the or not we the, the Struber um, historically has done the diamond four four two that sometimes shifts into a three five two, but the way that kind of works sometimes is that one of you know in in if it's diamond four four two one of the fullbacks will be very expressive and pressed high um and shift you know the diamond into a five man midfield 
And, uh, you know, Egbo, you would think of anybody on the team right now is, is, is primed to do that. I mean, Duncan, like we just talked about, maybe has that in him, but it's, it's, it's clearly not put together all the way yet. Um, you know, how much of that is technical and how much of that is tactical, we're not sure, but, um, maybe there can be something salvaged with Duncan, but, but Egbo is definitely in the driver's seat as far as being that you know, major wing back that is kind of a driver of the system that Struber Struber yeah. wants to run. Would does is there any cause for concern on the goal that he gave up against Miami in like the what was the the first one like uh, not the Iguain goal um, where Egbo I think was supposed to have been uh, tracking back or recovering defensively and he just wasn't there. Um, do you know the, you know what I'm talking about, Cork? Oh yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, I know that that goal. And I'm I'm thinking more. I mean, I I kind of want to trust that whatever's going on right now. You know, to, to, to repeat the the joke that I made last night, but that Struber would just be like, no, I wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> you know, that that you know whatever's going on right now is is something that Struber will iron out. And that, um, you know, that uh, we'll have to have faith that, um, you know, he'll have he'll have a plan for that, (laughs) like uh, another person says. Yeah, yeah, and to defeat NYCFC, number one, (laughs) defeat NYCFC. (laughs) (laughs) Soccer ball. (laughs) Big structural, big structural Gerhard. But yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was a weird goal, man. Last we're, we're recording the day after the Miami game. That game was so shitty. Sucked so bad. Intentionally did not lead off this podcast with that. Yeah. Um, sorry for, sorry for even talking about no, it. No, it was good. So we should probably, <laughs> we should probably acknowledge the, the games, uh, at least to some extent. Um, because I think it's going to be, um, I mean, it's definitely not zone, uh, but like this interim period is going to be frustrating. I think it um, sucked. Yeah, it sucked. But this interim period is going to be frustrating because the feeling that I think we already get from last night is that we're. It feels more like a lame duck period to me, um, where you had a bit of a period where everyone was coming back to life and playing a little bit more fresh and maybe playing for their jobs a little bit. Um, and now that Carnell is confirmed not to be taking over and kind of just with Kaku and CCJ out and kind of just the doldrums of late summer in general, um, it, it just felt ugh, like, I mean, we, we had, we had a solid start to the Miami game. Like the first half was actually fairly decent, but there was a point, especially after a couple of subs were made where it was the deepest example yet this season of sort of just being like this, this lineup is not going to happen again. Um, like these, yeah. these guys. Duncan's I don't know is Duncan gonna play like that again I don't know uh you know is is uh Barlow gonna play with Royer next year I don't know that I that pairing in particular I'd be sort of surprised if we see a lot more minutes from it next year uh but that's been a fairly common one in the last month or so um and then I think just also with once we rotated out Drew and Velo um with Kaku gone, it just kind of felt like there was an element of uh, urgency missing and, and the mentality kind of just totally fizzled away and really kind of was summed up by Pendant giving up that cheap foul 
um, that ends up being <laughs> yeah. really annoying Miguel goal. Um, but I mean, that's almost shades of remember that 2017 Toronto playoff series where uh, the tunnel fight. Yeah, but and the one in but the one in Harrison that that we lost. Oh, where where the where Mario didn't check back on the set piece and all that. Yeah, that one started, and then but also the most frustrating thing for that for me was how um, like uh, Giovinco successfully baited into getting a, a foul pretty much at the same spot that Egan took this one, and then yeah. since Giovinco uh, scored the free yeah. kick, that, that just felt like so slow motion disaster. Um, but th- it does Pendant kind of struggling the last couple of games and not starting for a while does kind of get thrown into bigger relief now with um, Egbo kind of rising as a, a kind of protagonist of the team. I don't, but back to this interim lame duck period though, it's, it's, it's hard for me to guess or analyze how much of what's going on right now may be relayed from mm. the top. You know, I, I, I don't know if Struber is even going to try to give Carnell really direct notes, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe in the next match day video, we'll see if Struber is like on the stream talking to the guys. <laughs> if they have a hologram of him, but it's just for the players. Yeah. <laughs> who's the, uh, who's the guy in Power Rangers, Zorb or something? <laughs> I hope it's like, or they, they just, all of the transfer money, the reason why Red Bulls are not buying PT Martinez is that we spent all of the money on buying Coachella's Tupac machine. Yes. <laughs> Put in Struber. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, we'll, I, I think, it, I think it was going to be this way anyway until next season. Right. Like, um, I think it's all kind of preseason still, like we've been saying. Yeah. yeah like I mean, if, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Cork. No, yeah, go, you go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, like if I'm like Kyle Duncan, like I'm just not going to use my right foot for eight weeks. Like there's just, yeah. there's just no way that like, especially if there's anything to the whole idea of like, you know, uh, the, the left foot preference um, coming from Gerhardt, but like, um, uh also just like the fact that like you, you even saw it like on wednesday like just on the left side like cutting in and just it just felt it just still feels so weird um mm-hmm. but i don't know yeah it's like but at the same time you're right it's hard to like overthink it but like pendant not playing over like a, a weak-footed you know duncan uh, it's hard to make anything of it but the only and thing then pendant being is, kind of kind of flaky when he came on too yeah yeah, yeah. And that that has felt more sudden to me in a way that I, I I can't confidently really guess what's going on there. Um, he's but, a, he's a, he's a Thelwell signing. He's the first Thelwell signing, probably. Yeah, that's true. That is so true. You'd think he was kind of sussed out, and and you know they, they they I would hope that they still have faith in him. I still have faith in him. I mean, it's just a couple of weeks, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it's just a dip. It's just a dip. Um, the. Uh, I did, now that I've bemoaned the Miami game as like a particularly frustrating and annoying loss, I, I should, I think, say about the Orlando game that maybe that to the extent 
that this phrase isn't terrible and annoying was maybe a, a quality loss in a sense. There was much more normal loss in my view. Uh, the 3-1 game that we lose in Orlando, it's 2-1 for the vast majority of it. I think we looked fairly solid, um, at least in, in what we want to do. And the thing that stuck out to me from that Orlando game actually was that it was an example of a game where we were on the front foot for about 20 minutes or so. We lost control of the game, but then we got back into the game without a halftime break. Um, the players on the field were able to just kind of reestablish some control and rhythm and control of space on the field, which I I don't think we've been able to do that without a halftime break um, in forever, which kind of felt nice. Um, but then my, my take that I ended up going with was that while we looked kind of more coherent in that fashion, it just felt like the defense is, is still going to require the real manager to get here before it gets gets um fixed um so because because the we were just getting caught out too often by orlando um and it just felt like the back line was still just kind of making it up as though as much as they could which is just not going to work against actually competent teams which weirdly enough orlando is now um i think maybe they've benefited more than usual from just this year being fake I was going to say, that's the fakest thing about this year. The one that I can't bring myself to believe is that Orlando's like really good. It fits perfectly, I think. But um, the the thing that the thing that the Spielaver, the German site led with is <laughs> was that kind of viewing Struber's press kind of as like the defensive system, um, which or like that's how they phrased it is like it's a defensive system rather than the press being kind of like the engine of the attack, mm-hmm. which is good to see. Cause I, this I was something I was asking the other week, right. It was like, Oh, who's our, is, are we going to bring in a defensive guy? Um, are we going to bring in a defensive coach? Who is that in our, in our squad? And it, based on what I've read, it seems like Struber will be more of in the Jesse tradition of like, we're kind of always playing defense and we're kind of always playing offense. Like, it's really about more controlling the space on the field um, rather than the conventional, do we literally have the ball or not? Um, So that seems like a way out of the problem tentatively. Um, And then it also shows that maybe the whole idea of like thinking of having a defensive coach, which is what CJ Brown was supposed to be is a, is a bad setup in the first place. Like maybe, maybe that, uh, is kind of not what you should be doing in 2020 as a coaching yeah. staff. So have a have a defensive coordinator with a headset. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but just hope it might take a full off season to to implement. And I don't know if we're going to need new personnel. Um, but yeah, I don't know. No, we're gonna we're gonna win MLS Cup. Oh and right. Yeah. That's that's why Struber's coming in to. <laughs> He's he's been we paid two million dollars to try and see Let's if we can slap something together in two months. And if if it doesn't work out, then we'll hire, God. you know, uh, we'll hire, you know, uh, fucking Caleb Porter. You know? we'll, yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Robin Fraser or uh, or uh, Gary Smith. Bring in Gary Smith. Uh, the only the only other the non Tata foreign coach to win an MLS Cup. If if Tete won MLS Cup with Struber and was holding it in the championship, I feel like that would be the spiritual equivalent of Matt Kanji winning it with uh, <laughs> Gary Smith. That is a dark 
period, man. Just 20, 2010 MLS Cup. It's, it's weird because that was like one of the first, that was like, that felt like kind of like a watershed year for the league. And yet yeah. that was what the culmination was. Yeah. That was, yeah, that has to be the worst anti-climax in league history i i would think and they held they held the mls cup it was the last ever neutral site one i think oh yeah it was in toronto who the fuck was gonna go see colorado another country yeah (laughs) and it was cold oh um but hey if struber replicates his form at barnsley after they're in last place maybe we will win mls cup this year but I still can't believe they're intending on giving it out as just straight up MLS Cup. <laughs> but um, yeah, who are we even playing next? Atlanta. Atlanta. What are they up to? Not, things they are not suck. going well. Yeah, they stink. Thank God we're not Atlanta. Thank God we're not DC. You, you know, you know how you know things are fucked. Ben Olsen got. Kicked upstairs today. Didn't even get. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, actually, though, Ben, like that is that is like really a slacker icon thing. Apparently, it was written into his contract that he couldn't be fired without being offered another job. Wow, the agents are getting that in. He didn't even. They didn't even use it as like a bargaining chip for him to get bought out because I feel like most most people would normally be like, okay, yeah, I still don't want, I don't want to work here anymore either. Yeah. Just give me a little bit more money and I'll fuck off. But no, <laughs> he wants to hang around more. Yeah, he's just really melting. Just, it what if it was his idea? Just like, can you give me less work? Can I? Can I just like, can I run the box offices or something? Like, I really got to, you know, Dennis Hamlet keeps on sending me these requests to play online chess and I just keep on having to decline them because I'm in training. I just really need to be behind my desk. <laughs> can I do HR or something? <laughs> oh my God. Salute to Ben Olson. That, that has been, ooh, I mean, we've... It, we we as we said after Armis went, thank God we we avoided permanent Olsen status. But like the the agiography that Olsen was getting today from MLS press was absolutely baffling to me. Because um, it just I I I would say that we New York Red Bulls fans are probably unusually familiar with Ben Olsen uh, because of the rivalry and how often we play them. And often we played them in the playoffs. Still, though, the guy is as as you know unusual or memorable to me as a piece of white bread. Like he's, I, I know him because he's been there forever and he's been very mediocre. That's all I have to say about him. The idea that he's just so perfectly MLS and Mister DC is hilarious to me. He was particularly disheveled as a person, though. That's very distinctive. Not, not always, though. He definitely, like, there was one year, like, around 2017, he started buying, like, yeah, he was, like, spiffing up. And, like, just yeah. buying one of everything and wearing that. But, yeah, yeah, that is maybe his personality trait was that he was kind of like a, you know, like, hippie guy or whatever. But, like, uh, but yeah, he's like like you're saying, Brit, but like more to your point, like yeah, he's just like a guy. He's just like just some guy. He's some guy, man. Like 
At least, at least for DC is like the club here or whatever. I'm like, you know, people tried to pretend like that's That's what Arnold was here, but like, uh. yeah, yeah. He's like, right. At least Pet keep played for us, you know. Yeah. Um. Fuck. So I've never thought about the idea of a post Ben Olsen world. Me neither. I mean, like, I also never really thought about them getting their own stadium, but it hasn't really changed much, has it? Like. (laughs) It looks sort of different. I mean, the grass always looks like it has puddles and wet for some reason. That's unclear, but like <laughs> it's still DC United, you know. Um, yeah. And it, the the funniest thing about DC is that like DC, like it has none of the anxiety really of like City, where like I'm still I'd still be pretty crushed and annoyed if City like pipped us to MLS Cup. But like DC did that in 1996, so it's like I don't give a shit. Like it doesn't like you guys already have that under your belt and it still doesn't matter for anything so like yeah really you know what i I just could not could not be bothered about uh ben olsen anymore i mean i also can't imagine they're gonna get that much better right i mean i don't know hard to say but i i would be surprised i don't don't think that a new manager is gonna automatically make them better and unlike us because i they're uh it's not like their roster is under performing or anything well we're playing atlanta coming up next but i've also just spent a whole hour talking about how difficult it is to going to be to try to read these games i mean i don't know do you think do you think we should be trying to look into this atlanta game seeing if struber is giving notes to carnell is that reasonable it's in atlanta is it let me check uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, if they're talking about how they want to set up, I would assume that there are basic steps going into getting prepped for his actual arrival to some degree. So I, th- I think it's, I think it's worth. I, I, I wouldn't think it's that crazy if, like, you know, the formation that we we come out in or the formation that we we look to be in is probably you know, what Struber wants to see if, if for no other reason for player evaluation remotely. Right. Um, so, yeah. That's a good point. At the very least, you'd think that he'd be saying, I, w- I want to see more of this guy and see what he can do. Um, right. Which has been, I mean, like Barlow's, Barlow's been on, Barlow, both Barlow and Duncan, who are the guys I was going to single out, have, were on this team sheet a lot under Armist too. So it's harder to say it's like a contrast, but Barlow's repeated inclusion the last four or five games, even when I proclaimed his career dead prematurely, um, maybe suggest to me that Struber and Thelwell are like, let's see exactly, like, let's see more of this guy. And maybe they think they maybe Maybe not even like for keeping Barlow, but just seeing him as like a proxy for like a tall running striker. Yeah. But even yeah. like the last, like the team he put out on Wednesday, like almost every single player in that, in that 11 is somebody that uh, could be looked at as a, a longer term investment over, you know, a, maybe it's a, a year plus sort of timeline uh, through the, I mean, maybe the one exception would be taking Kyle Duncan out um, and putting in Pendant. Um, and then, you know, maybe swapping in Jorgensen for Tete or even keeping Tete. I don't know, but everybody else, you know, I think somebody like Strout and, you know, Omir, uh, 
uh, and, and Velo and Yearwood, I mean, these are people that I, I feel like will, will uh, hopefully survive, you know, uh, to the next project. Um, but but yeah. I would, I, I would see a lot of them continuing to play. Uh, and then I wouldn't be surprised if we came out in a, in a similar, you know, shape, um, you know, as if it already hadn't been implemented. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Stroud's a good shout. I, I actually, I, I feel pretty good about Stroud right now. I would, I would be shocked if he's not here again next season and in our plans. He once again, even on as bad as Wednesday's game against Miami was, he, he looked really good in it consistently. He did a couple um, of those really good, like dispossessed, like he like dispossessed, um, yeah. and like gave whoever whoever that like left back was just like gave him a run for their money. Um, I mean, and, you know, it's Miami. It was the Andrew Nealis, wasn't it? Or does he play right back? I think uh, he plays right back. I think yeah. it's Ben Sweat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, ben Sweat. Sen Sweat. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, that's a yeah. Okay, that's true. I think yeah, Stroud probably is is, is one to watch. Um, your, I would like to see more Jorgensen though. I saw, yeah. I saw, uh, thought he showed pretty well um, with these four four day gaps coming up. I figure we'll see some of him more. Um, Shakovsky subbed in again. Um, he's healthy, and then Davis made the match day eighteen for the first time in forever. Um, so with Kaku and CCJ gone. I have to imagine Davis is going to feature again. Where does um, he fit in the, Where does he fit in that diamond, though? That's a great question. I don't know. I would love to know more, but I feel frustrated that with so many other departures that are missing things in rotations, it'll be hard to tell. Because yeah. Velo's been consistently playing deeper back. Mm-hmm. Gearwood's been pretty consistent where he's been played. Um, Shakovsky hasn't started a game yet. He's only come in as a sub. Uh, Davis, I don't know. I, I, it, it could be interesting to see how he plays next to other guys. Um, and looking at the schedule again, I realized we're playing Atlanta next on the tenth, and then um, four days later we're playing Toronto uh, on Wednesday the fourteenth in Connecticut, which is where they're shacked up. Um, you know, if this were a normal season. I would probably say like, oh, you know, I feel good about playing Atlanta and like Toronto, we might lose. But since it's fake season, the result doesn't matter so much. So it's, I think, actually kind of flipped for me where it's like Atlanta's such a mess and weird and terrible that I feel less confident that we'll learn something solid. And I feel better that playing a solidly built Toronto team that will probably beat us might be more valuable to see how we do against a competent team. Cause if we're just playing chaos ball, like we did against Miami on Wednesday, that, that might feel like more of a waste of time. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, other than that, I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be curious to see more of drew, um, how he links up. I'll be curious to see if he links up with Egbo again, uh, I'll be curious to see if Pendant kind of snaps out of it a little bit because at this point, I think Cardinal's going to have no no choice but to rotate him in because he's played Egbo and Duncan as fullbacks twice in a row, four days apart now. Um, and we've got another four-day... No, we've got games on the 10th, 14th, and 18th. So he's not going to be able to do that every game. So let's see if the guys can respond a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I, he's going to have to rotate the forwards a bit Tete was okay up top, I think, against Miami. A couple miscommunications, but I guess he's still newish. 
let let's see. I don't know. It, I'll be very surprised if we come out the same as we did on on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think whoever has the team making sheets heard our proclamation on Sam Teddy needing to start in the next two games. Made a decision based off of that, so perhaps we can manifest something as well. That's a good point. Although it seems to be, it seems to only respond negatively. Like I, when I said, "Oh, Barlow had his Reading game. He's done. He's come back." When we said Tete is Goldbranson, all of a sudden he starts. So, yeah, maybe we need to say, uh, well, I think uh, I think Duncan is finished. I don't know. We've been saying that, though. <sighs> we, um, Matthias Jurgensen, there's no, no more point in seeing what he has to offer. Matthias Jurgensen's is not here. Matthias Jurgensen's. I think the <laughs> most, I think the alt. I think the ultimate question uh, with Struber coming in, I think that the pivotal decision that he will make as manager of this great club Mm -hmm. is how does he choose to display the lineups on the Jumbotron at the arena? Mm -hmm. Does he, does he put it in formation or is it just a list? That's a great point. And does Does anyone know if he's a stickler about squad numbers? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I anticipate that he's going to spend hours, though, like with different catalogs of different manufactured plastics for the pennies that we wear, obsessing over the different chemical compounds of the of the plastics that get involved. And I'll have a whole binder of research pointing to the slight correlations between performance and plastic composition. So like a like a good uh German, uh, German Austrian uh, white collar business. Yeah, they teach cycle. it after English class in yeah. in Austria. He speaks presumably he speaks English, right? No, I, oh, yeah, I saw a video. I yeah, saw a yeah. video. We've 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 talked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did see I did see the video of him being interviewed after uh, Barnsley Dude, survived. Dude's crying. Yeah, crying boy. It yeah. was, it was, it, it, I'm, it makes me sad that he's not going to be around for a derby for a while, which is going to be weird. He's going to be coaching. He's, he will have coached the team for several months before any semblance of a large, like regular home crowd is going to be there, which is going to be a weird dynamic. He's apparently like his reputation, like some of the, some of the journalists I've read have, have said that his, he's, he's very, he's, you know, very, very animated, you know, on the sideline, even by like animated coach standards. Uh, Fuck yes. that, yeah, that he, he, he might get, he might get coaches on his, or he might get MLS on his bad side pretty quick. Uh, like that was, Fuck that was yeah. one thing actually too. Like he, like, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not like a set piece expert. I, I don't, I don't think set pieces should be allowed. I think they <laughs> should be banned from the game. I think they should, uh, you know, just have face-offs or whatever. But uh, um, if we do have to have set pieces, he's apparently pretty big on them. And one of his big things is like crowding the goalkeeper or something. And whew, he could he could get MLS refs mad at him, you know, real quick. We'll That's see. good. That is another comparative advantage is intimidating the refs. I think Jesse was pretty good at Jesse. Clearly, his first year came in and did the whole like punch the strongest guy in the face thing, you know, because he got ejected like four times his first year. Yeah. Didn't afterwards. Armis clearly did not intimidate anyone. If Struber buys uh, the city manager a bottle of wine, it's going to be like a very like 
It's going to be a very backhanded thing. No, he's going to buy it from like the worst wine region of all of Austria. Everyone knows that this is the the, the shabbiest (laughs) wine. It's from South Tyrol. It's from Italy, you idiot. Um, But yeah, none, none of that. But I, I think he could. I mean, fuck the man intimidates me, and obviously, if he intimidates me, he's going to intimidate a, a, a referee. So I'm here for that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I really want to see him on the touchline eventually with a full crowd there because I, I do think that uh, he looks, he looks like a fun guy to set the tone of the team. So I'm excited about that. Well. Um, I think we should plan on talking next after the Toronto game, um, just holding our pattern, because uh, then we'll have a whole week after the Toronto game uh, to regroup what we've seen. So um, any any parting desires or wishes about Atlanta and Toronto coming up on the 10th and 14th, and then we can head out? Um, I mean, I'd like to be at Atlanta. That's always fun. I don't know who they are anymore. <laughs> right? Like, even Martinez. I don't know who they are anymore. Is Jurgen Dam there? Like, what? Like, yeah. Jurgen? Like, what? <laughs> nah, I forgot what? that that happened until right now. Yeah. Jurgen Dam? Okay. Um, like. I think who's... they still have Lorenowitz. Like, oh, God. Um, who's their yeah. manager? Like, like. Glassy. <sighs> Steven Glass. Are they gonna have fans there? I think they no, do. I think no, they I don't think so. Well, Orlando's opened up. Orlando did. Oh, yeah, Orlando. Fucking did. weird. Yeah, that was weird. To be, if anyone in the operations department accidentally listens to this by some misfortune, I, I'm not going to Red Bull Arena this year. Like, come on. Like, I will go on if you sell a members points. Zoom date with Gerhard Struber. I'll go to that, obviously, but I will. I will. Uh, I don't need to go to Red Bull Arena for that. Did we know? talk about how the the weekend service is or weekend construction is done? Um, is it? Yeah, they finished six months early. Fuck yes, Eltran, Wait, that Eltran did that too. I guess they did. This is they should really be front loading all of the subway construction. This is the time to do it, yeah, isn't it? Shit rules. It's a shame that it's. I mean, it's not done now. There's nothing. To, you know, there's no reason to. And red seats. Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Truly, they're cool. really doing. They're really hitting all the marks. The hat to the red seats. Yeah, things are really looking up. That really like it. I was not looking forward to like the ferry is a nice experience, but I was not looking forward to how long it took to do that. All especially year. after yeah. a loss is yeah. just. Oh. And if weather wasn't nice, oh boy. Yeah, it was like getting home late and trying to justify why as you know partners at home they're like oh god you've been gone for six hours do you have fun it's like ah, didn't have fun just watch just watch chris Armas draw zero zero against ben olsen was it fun? Fun? yeah so that was that was good timing um and that and that that was uh i'm glad that we released the novel coronavirus from that lab in wuhan now that was a smart move on our part Everything i regretted it for a moment but no longer Oh, all right. Well, all right. Well, Gerhard, we're excited, and I'm very scared of you. But that makes me only more excited. Till then, see ya.